Well, we'll turn now to the Word of God. And you can see in your bulletin this morning that for our scripture text now, our sermon text, we turn to the very beginning of John's Gospel. Hear now the word of God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that you have made yourself known. We behold your glory in the face of Jesus Christ, and all of this we behold in the sacred writings, including this John's Gospel account, including these opening words. We pray that you would open our eyes to behold here the wondrous things that you have for us. We pray that you would open our eyes to behold Jesus, the fullness of that is ours in him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So yes, let's talk about fullness. There's fullness language in our passage here this morning at the beginning of John. 
There in verse 14, there's the phrase, full of grace and truth. So let's talk about fullness. It's a good time of year to talk about it. Our house is full these days. I suspect that yours is as well. Our house is full of all sorts of Christmas decorations and paraphernalia and implements and distractions. It is, after all, supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. That's what the song says. It's the most wonderful time of the year. But is it really? Is it really the most wonderful time of the year? For some people, I think we can say many people, it's not. I think we have to admit, it can be a somewhat complicated time of the year. It can be complex. It can be a real mix. It can be a real mix of fullness and emptiness. Here's a time of year when the calendar is so full, no free time after Thanksgiving. You almost feel guilty if you get some. A time of year when our bellies are full, which is good, all sorts of seasonal sweets and treats. Here's a time of year when our houses are full, as I was saying, of packages and guests and decorations and all the rest. Here's a time of year when our churches tend to be at least a little fuller. And yet at the very same time, it's also a time of year when a lot of people feel empty. Some of them terribly Painfully empty in their hearts. The holidays are that way for a lot of people and not just Charlie Brown. Empty. Why? Because they feel lonely? Or because their life seems to lack meaning? Or because they're reminded of something or someone that they've lost? Perhaps in the last year. I think that the fact that it's the end of the calendar year can make it worse. Because we're thinking, shouldn't the passage of time be filling me up? Here I've just had 365 more days of experiences and memories and lessons. Shouldn't I feel fuller? Instead, it seems to be hollowing me out. Why do I feel more empty now than I did a year ago? It doesn't seem like it should work that way. So there's all of this fullness all around us. And yet, for some people, so much emptiness on the inside at the very same time. Is it really a wonderful time of year, let alone the most wonderful? Now, whether that describes you or not, it might, it might not, maybe some degree of it. Still, for all of us, there's something about the very idea of fullness that strikes a chord, it touches a nerve, it resonates within us, it stirs longings within us, especially when we consider ourselves living in a world like this one, a world that is marked by curse and emptiness, the very idea that somebody might come into a world like this and come into it with fullness with fullness to share, fullness that we actually might make our own and experience fullness that might actually fill me. Well, that is wonderful. 
That is the most wonderful thought. That's beautiful. And friends, that's Jesus. According to John 1, that's exactly who and what Jesus is and what he is and can and ought to be for us. So we're going to stop and think together about that this morning. We're going to stop and think about the fullness that's to be found in Jesus and in nobody else. And to do that, we're going to really camp out with that phrase in verse 14, full of grace and truth. Just that has so much for us, full of grace and truth. Before we get there, before we spend some time with that phrase, let's look around a little bit and get our bearings. Look at the two verses that bookend our passage today, verses 14 and 18. I read the whole of the opening part of the chapter. But look at verses 14 and 18 especially. Verse 14, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. So that's verse 14. Then skip down to 18. It says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. So what's John saying there in those bookend passages, 14 and 18? What he's saying is that the Son of God came into the world as the revelation of the Father. The Son of God came into the world and he did not come as some kind of temporary ghostly visitor like Jacob Marley. Ghostly apparition, why do you torment me so? Or the ghost of Christmas present, who was only here for less than an hour in the middle of the night and only visible to one other person. No, the Son came into the world by becoming one of us. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And what that means is that the Son of God took to himself a true and full human nature conceived by the Spirit born of Mary. The Son of God came into the world like that. And then to keep going, he came into the world in that way so as to be a revelation of the Father, so as to put on display not just that the Father is, but what the Father is like. And he could do that because he is the Son, of course. The Son is like the Father. He could do that because he is the Word, of course. That's what a Word is. That's what a Word does. The Word is that which expresses and reveals the one from whom it comes. The Word expresses and reveals the Father. So the Son came into the world like that. Came into the world for that purpose, to make the Father known. Well then... The question becomes, what's the Father like? If he came into the world to show us, to show the world, well then, what did he show about the Father who sent him? And the answer to that big question, what's the Son like, what's the Father like, is this, the Son is full of grace and truth. That's our phrase this morning. That's where we're camping out. Look again at verse 14. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what's grace? 
Grace is God's favor shown to sinners, his unmerited favor shown to sinners like us. So what's the son like, revealing what the father is like? He's full of grace. There's that. And you can tell from verse 16, if you skip down there, grace really is a main idea here. Verse 16, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. So we can say that. That's what the Son is like. So that's what the Father is like. He's full of grace. But then back to verse 14. What else is true of him? The Son is full of truth as well. That's the other part of the pair. Full of grace and truth. The word that we've got translated truth here in verse 14. The primary weight of the word here would be something like truthfulness. In other words, the attribute of a person, what a person is like. Truthfulness, faithfulness, steadfastness, reliability. He's the only son from the Father full of grace and faithfulness because the Father is. And the Son came into the world to show it. To show us that it's true. Grace and Truthfulness or faithfulness. He makes the same point again in verse 17. Look at verse 17. He says, The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth, or grace and truthfulness, faithfulness, came through Jesus Christ. So there's this contrast that John is drawing to help us understand the whole sweep of salvation history. The idea is not, just to be clear, the idea is not that Moses didn't have anything to do with grace and that Jesus didn't have anything to do with law. Moses had gracious things to say, and Jesus gave some commandments. So it's not an absolute contrast between the two and what they meant, what they brought. That's not the idea. But the idea is that... What Moses primarily contributed in the history of salvation was a revelation of what God requires us to do for him, law, commandments. But what Jesus primarily contributed, even accomplished in the history of salvation, was a revelation of what God has done for us. Grace, gospel, grace and faithfulness to save us from our sins. That's what the Father is like. Therefore, that's what the Son is like. The Son who came into the world to make the Father known. He came into the world full of grace and faithfulness. So that's our phrase. That's our jewel there in verse 14. And and that's where the jewel is set. Right? That's the overall passage. That's what's going on before it and after it. Full of grace. And truthfulness. Now let's unpack that. Now that we've, we, we've seen where the phrase is set, let's spend some time with it. And let's think in particular about these three. This is one of those convenient Sunday mornings when your sermon title also happens to be your outline. Grace, faithfulness, and fullness. Those three. Grace, faithfulness, and fullness. So the first thing we can say about him, about the Son revealing the Father, is that there is grace in Jesus. There is grace 
God's unmerited favor shown to sinners like us, we can say that about Jesus, about the one who is the Son, about the one who is the Word. We can talk about the favor of Jesus now, shown to sinners, sinners like us. And we can say that about him in so many different ways. Just to say that about Jesus, that itself is a jewel that can be turned and studied. First of all, it's true of Jesus because his heart is gracious. In other words, it's not just words that he said and actions that he performed outwardly. It's also his heart from which the words and the actions flowed. It's a love in his heart that compelled him to perform saving actions on our behalf. That's the very reason he came into the world in the first place. Love in his heart, grace in his heart. He didn't come into the world kicking and screaming. Didn't take to himself a true human nature against his will. No, he became flesh and dwelt among us because he loved us from the heart. That's grace. Jeremiah 32 Verse 41, God says this about his people, about his determination to rescue his people. Jeremiah 32, he says this, I will rejoice in doing them good. I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. That's God saying that. I will will rescue my people With all my heart and all my soul. Well, the same thing is true of Jesus. Can't you just imagine the Son of God saying something like that before the incarnation? Maybe he says it to the angels. He says, I will become flesh and dwell among them. I will go into their world, their cursed, empty world, and become one of them in order to rescue them. And I will rejoice in doing them good. I will save them with all my heart and with all my soul. Because I love them like that. That's grace. And that's the kind of grace that's to be found in Jesus. So it's true of him in that it flows from the heart, this grace. Second, it's also true of Jesus because of the things that he's done for us. And above all, what he did for us was to die for us. There's grace to be found in Jesus, this unmerited favor to sinners, because he went to the cross to die for us, to pay the just penalty for our sins. And then after he laid down his life like that, he took it up again. Death and resurrection. That's why Jesus has the grace that we need as sinners We don't just need a dose of kindness here and there. We don't just need a brief smile now and then. We don't just need food to eat and a place to live. We need somebody. We need a divine somebody who could lay down his life and take it up again to make us right with God, which is our deepest need. And Jesus did. Only Jesus could. And he's done it. So there's grace in Jesus because there's, there's that love for us in the heart. 
And then there's grace in Jesus because of what he did for us. He laid down his life and took it up again. And now here's one more. There's grace in Jesus because of what he continues to do in us. He continues to change us. To transform us. To make us new. To make us like himself right now. The one who is the Son, the one who is the Word, he is seated at the right hand of God in heaven and he is busy. Wonderfully, gloriously, graciously busy. He's at work in our lives, changing our lives, changing our hearts, mending our ways. And that too, that's the grace that we need. Our needs are not fully met unless we are fully overhauled. We don't just need minor improvements, like new fixtures. We don't just need a little bit more room, like an expansion off the top floor. We need to be fully overhauled, top to bottom, inside out. And that's the grace that Jesus has to give. And he has it to give because he has the Holy Spirit, and he's poured out the Holy Spirit upon the church. And it's the mission of the Holy Spirit to make us like our elder brother. And our elder brother is Jesus, who is the Son, who is the Word. So that's our first this morning. There's grace to be found in Jesus. From the heart, His heart, manifested in His saving actions on our behalf, death and resurrection, and manifested ever since. As he makes us new. So that's first. There's grace to be found in him. And then here's the second. We're just unpacking this phrase. There is faithfulness. In Jesus as well. There's faithfulness in Jesus. That's true of him. Because it's true of the father. And he's just like the father. And he came into the world to show us. That the Father is faithful. He came into the world precisely because the Father is somebody who keeps his promises. The Father would have been a promise breaker if he'd never sent his Son to be our Savior the way he did. The Father is somebody who keeps his promises. Well, guess what? Now the Son is somebody who keeps his promises as well. There is faithfulness in Jesus. So it reminds us that God is like that. God is faithful. Moses knew that. That's why I wanted to read Exodus 34 for us earlier in our service. Remember the revelation that Moses has given? We heard it earlier. Exodus 34. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, we might say full, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Moses is saying, when God showed me his glory, that's what I heard. I heard God say, steadfast love and faithfulness, that's my name. Moses is saying, I saw and heard. Well, now here we are in John 1. And John is saying the same kind of thing. When God showed us his glory in the sending of his son, that's what we saw. And what we still see, we see faithfulness. We see steadfastness. We have seen his glory. 
And what we have seen is that kind of faithfulness to follow through. Today, we haven't seen Jesus with the eyes of our bodies the way John did. But we've certainly seen him with the eyes of our faith. The way John did. Because remember, John was a believer too. He wasn't just a travel companion. There is faithfulness in Jesus. What does that mean? It means that you can count on him. It means that he follows through. It means that he keeps his word. And we crave that, don't we? Living in a world like this one. We crave that kind of faithfulness and reliability. Why? Because we're used to dealing with people who aren't like that. Who don't follow through. Who don't keep their word. We're used to promises that turn out to be campaign promises. But his are not like that. It's very, very good news that Jesus isn't exactly like us. It's very good news that he has so much more to offer than we do. Otherwise, we'd be sunk. If all you've got, thinking about our relationship with Christ, if all you've got is commonality and solidarity, you're sunk. And you don't have a savior. It's like one of those disaster film scenarios that the pilot's in distress. And so they ask the passengers, is there anybody here who knows how to fly a plane? At that point, what you want, what you need, what will save you, is if somebody emerges from the company of the passengers who has something to offer that the rest of you don't. Namely, pilot know-how. Commonality and solidarity are wonderful, but at that point, if that's all you've got, that's not good. You need somebody who's not like everybody else on that plane. Or on the home front, the heater repairman shows up. And you say, it's not working, and I don't have a clue why. And he takes a look, and he says, yeah, that's tough. I don't have a clue either. Nice house, though. Want to get something to eat? And at that point, you say, look, I appreciate the, uh, the solidarity and, and the sympathy. That's great. But right now, what I need, what I'm, I'm paying you for is to be unlike me. That's why I called you. Please don't be like me. Bring more than what I have to give. Bring what will save me and my heater in December. Because it won't be 60 degrees much longer. So yes, we we want a God. We need a God who has come down to us, even becoming one of us. Made like us in every respect, yet without sin. But we also want a God who's come down to us so as to make it clear that he's so wonderfully different from us. Indeed, without sin. But impeccably faithful. Who follows through every time, in every way. And our God is like that. And so Jesus is like that. Jesus who is Son and Word. There is faithfulness in Jesus A steadfastness in Jesus that is so rock solid, you can build on it. You can build a new year on it. And soon we will. You can build a whole life of years on it. You can build a family on it. You can build a church on it. There is faithfulness in Jesus. And that rock solid foundation 
will never, ever give way. So that's true of as well. Our first was, there is grace in Jesus. The second was, there is faithfulness in Jesus. And then here's our third and last. And this is the one that ties it all together. There is fullness in Jesus as well. There's fullness in him, as I say. Your sermon title this morning, printed in the bulletin, is your outline. Grace and faithfulness, and now fullness too. Full of grace and truth. What does that mean? Well, it means that this grace, our first point, this grace that's to be found in Jesus Christ, it'll never run out. Inexhaustible. He's abounding in grace. And what else does it mean? Well, it means that his faithfulness, our second point, that won't run out either. Everlasting. He's overflowing in faithfulness. And this brings us back to where we got started this morning. The the complexity of this time of year. the, The fullness of it all around us. And yet the emptiness that we can be feeling at the very same time. Brothers and sisters, bask in this. Perhaps especially at the end of the year. When it might feel like you've run out. He won't. There is a fullness in Jesus that can fill any life. Fill it with joy. Because in him there's the forgiveness of sins. Fill it with hope. Because in him there is victory over sin. Fill it with meaning. Because in him there is the calling and it is the noblest of callings to stand with the people of God as a child of God. There is that fullness in him that can fill us. And that too, John makes that point here in our passage. Remember verse 16? He says, from his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. So it becomes something that's not just true of him. But that's true of us because we've come to know him. We have all received from his fullness. This grace upon grace. That's why he came. He came into the world to make us full. So that we wouldn't be empty anymore. Jesus said that. Roughly nine chapters later in John 10. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Not just a taste of life. Not just a sample of grace and faithfulness. But abundantly there is fullness in Jesus. So all three of those, grace in him, faithfulness too fullness of both. That's what our Savior is like because that's what the Father is like. Now, how do we take all of that and bring it to bear on our lives?
especially drawing near to the end of a calendar year? How do we take full of grace and faithfulness and embrace it and take it with us into a new year? Well, let's, let's get our bearings here at the end of December and, and look back and look forward. Let's do both of those. Let's look back and look forward. First of all, looking back, we're at the end of another calendar year. And I wonder what you see in your own life when you look back on this calendar year that's coming to a close. If you're a Christian, then I know this much at least. When, when you look back on this calendar year, you're going to see these two things You're going to see obedience, at least in measure, and you're going to see sin in your own life. In other words, you're going to see some glory, and you're going to see some shame in your own life. You are going to see obedience and glory through the eyes of faith. Christian, it's there to be seen. Why? Because you walked with God in 2021. Even if your walk wasn't all that it might have been and should have been, you walked with God. You entered 2021 as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and lo and behold, here in late December, you still are. And that's no small thing. Don't take that for granted. And yet it's also the case that if, as you look back on this year, you're going to see sin. You're going to see shame. Why? Because you blew it in 2021. In a variety of ways, you failed to love the Lord your God with heart and soul and mind and strength. And you failed to love your neighbor as well. You blew it in 2021. In some cases, you really blew it. So if you're a Christian, when you look back on this year, you're going to see both of those. So here's the point. As you look back and as you see and as you rejoice over the obedience and the glory and as you weep over the sin and the shame, let the reality of the grace and faithfulness of Jesus wash over you right now and wave after wave. And that's just it. It's wave after wave because he's full. Believe in Jesus right now who is full of grace and truth. Behold the grace of Jesus at work in your own life. Behold the unmerited favor of Jesus at work in your own life. Preserving you, enabling you, keeping you, guarding you. Even if the only thing that you can see is the fact that you're still holding on to Jesus here at the end of December. Behold the grace of Jesus in that very reality. And at the same time, when you look back and see sin and shame, run to Jesus. Run to him right now. Because he's full. He's full of grace and faithfulness for people who blew it. For people who sinned. There's nothing you did this year or failed to do. No sin, no shame, no failure, no disgrace that outmatches his fullness. Nothing. Even if you kept blowing it this year, time and time again in the same way, and you kept going back to God in repentance, Jesus is full of grace. Take heart. He did not run out of grace for you, say, mid-September. 
He's full of grace and he always has been and he always will be. So, so look back like that on this year that draws to a close. And then, as I was saying, pivot and look forward as well. We're not just looking back, but we're also looking forward to 2022. I know I've, I've mentioned this before. I'll say it again here on December the 19th. There is always something poignant for me about our final gatherings for worship at the end of the calendar year. And and we're heading out the doors the way we will today, wishing one another Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, the most wonderful time of the year. Or maybe not. Something poignant about it. We say Happy New Year, and and rightly so, and we mean it. At the same time, knowing full well that none of us knows very well what the coming year is going to hold. And and that can be almost terrifying to contemplate. This dramatic sense of uncertainty that hangs over a new year. that, That can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. The start of a new year, with all of its fears, with all of its uncertainties, that does not have to undo us, that does not have to paralyze us. Why? Because of what we've seen today. Jesus is full of grace and faithfulness. The Son is because the Father is, and the Son came to make him known, to make him known to you. And we've seen him. This Jesus with faith. We know him by that same faith. And he knows us. And nothing. Nothing that happens in 2022. Is going to change any of that. I can't think of a better way. To go into a new year. Than by holding on to Christ. Who is full of grace. And faithfulness. Wouldn't that be the most wonderful way. To go into 2022. By the grace of God. Which is abundant and inexhaustible and full. By the grace of God. May it be so for us as Christians. As a Christian church. So may we enter a new year together. Let's pray. Father that does become our prayer now. Not just a a wish, a desire that we express to one another, but now a prayer that we lift up to your throne of grace. We do look back on this year that winds down. And in measure, we feel a little bit like we are winding down. But we would look back with the eyes of faith and give you praise For the glory that we see, even the glory we see in our own lives, you have changed us and it shows we can see it. For we have walked with you and are still believing in Jesus. The end of 2021, we bless you for it. At the same time, we do look back and see sin and shame. We would run to him for that very reason. Because we believe there's fullness of grace and faithfulness in him. Because that's true of you too. 
And we pray, Father, that you would help us then to take all of this with us into the year ahead. For we know, we know about the coming year that we will walk with you and yet stumble still. That much we know. But we also know this, you'll be the same God a year from now that you are right now. And you will be all throughout the year. So may we walk. So may we worship. So may we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.